know, as little middle schoolers, I was teaching eighth grade then, they all thought I was going on American Idol or like The Voice or something. And they were like, we will vote for you. And I was like, thanks. (laughs) Hope Talk, a PCM podcast. Oh my goodness, Elizabeth Asher Holcomb. Hey, lady. <laughs> hey, I love it so much, Ted. It's so good to see you. I actually saw you from a distance Friday night. Um, I was up in the uh, in the stands at the Ryman there for. Uh, you were not. Was yeah. it that? What was that like for you in the audience? It was cool. It was cool. I was going to ask you to be up on stage with Lauren and Natalie Hemby and uh, John Foreman. You guys look like you're having a blast. Oh my gosh. Honestly, it was it was so much fun. <laughs> they have Natalie and Lauren. I've been writing together a lot, and I, for whatever reason, I, we did not all know each other until this last year. And I feel like I found two. I mean, we talked about it. We sang "Old Friends" twice because yeah. the mics did catch us. Yeah, it helps if you're up close to the microphone so they can hear you. I know. So it is. It uh, it it was. It felt like hanging out with friends. And, and honestly, I've played the Ryman a couple times, which is so crazy for whatever reason with other people or filming things there. And um, there's, they allowed more people this time than when we did our live stream with Drew's thing and no masks. So it just, it, it feels like the scene in Narnia, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, when the winter's melting, it's like slowly coming back. It's like, we're going to be okay. You but know? you're out there with your blow torches and hair dryers trying to make it work right. faster. Right? So get it down. Get like it down. on a Father of the Bride, they're like thawing out the geese with the ice So yeah, get the geese out of the bathtub. That's right. (laughs) We're talking with Ellie Holcomb here. And uh, Ellie graduated from University of Tennessee. So how many football games do you think you have seen in Neyland Stadium? Neyland Stadium? Probably, I don't know, at least 30 or 40. Really? So you are a diehard UT fan. I mean, yeah. What's crazy now, being on the road and doing music, you're working when the games are playing. So that was, but I went almost every time that I could all through college and right after college. I mean, it's so much fun. So knowing you now and what you do and the way that God produces music through you, you didn't go to school for music. I didn't. Isn't that crazy? I actually swore that I would never do music and I swore that I'd never marry a musician. Cause my dad, so my dad is a producer. I grew up in the studios of Nashville and I, uh, I have always known two things that music is powerful. It, it has the ability to bring hope to people, to connect a lot of people together. And I've always loved that. But also as a kid, I saw that doing music has a cost. Like I am, I was 0% like enamored with fame. Cause I just was like, man, this is hard. You have to leave home all the time and be gone all the time. And so I actually got my master's in education and I was an English teacher. I sang and rapped in my classroom. <laughs> <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you fire up a rap for us here real quick? You got one on the spot? Uh, yeah. I mean, what kind do you want? <laughs> totally up to you. Blank canvas. I mean, when I was an English teacher, I was rapping like being verbs, like am, is, are, was, were, <laughs> be, being, been. Let's do it again. Am, is, yeah, that, yeah, like dumb raps. I'm not a good rapper, but I was just trying to put a beat. But whenever I did that, I taught in like inner city kind of urban environments. And so whenever I launched in that, I would literally have the whole classroom would turn into like 
a beatbox. Like they'd start banging on the desk and I'm like, okay, let's learn our being verbs together. <laughs> that is hilarious. Did, awesome. so, so what grades did you teach? I was eighth grade and then high school. Wow. And, and I, I loved it. I still miss being in a classroom with kids. I don't miss grading papers. So were you Miss Holcomb? Then in class? I was Miss Holcomb. Well, I was Miss B. So I taught right before I got married. So I was I was Miss Bannister, but they all called me Miss B. Yeah. And then I was Miss H. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what kids can't pronounce the whole names. So they just get the letter. I know they they could not be bothered to say my whole name ever. <laughs> uh, but it was really crazy. I we were in a we were in a deer blind in Texas. So I'm mar- I swore I, I swore a lot of things. I swore I'd never marry a musician. I swore that I would never do music, and I swore that I would never date my best guy friend in college. And I think God has a sense of humor because I ended up marrying my best guy friend who was a musician and joining his band. We were in a deer blind in Texas where my, my grandmother grew up on a ranch down there and where we had the conversation where I was going to quit music and join and join Drew's band. And I am so grateful that I did that. I, I think I thought it would be a year. I went to my principal and I was like, look, I know I'm an idiot. I'm probably going to be back in a year begging you for my job back. So if you will consider me again. <laughs> But I just think I'm going to always wonder what it would have been like, like to go do music with my husband for a year. We're young, like, and here we are 15 years later, still doing music. So does that elementary or that that middle and high school there, does it have, you know, former home of Mrs. B slash Mrs. H? Mrs. H, yeah. Is there a bench with your name on it They actually contacted me for like six years after that because I loved teaching. I I loved teaching. I still keep up with some of my students who I had like on Twitter and uh, Instagram and stuff. They've like found me and been like, Miss H, you know, (laughs) but they all thought their context for music, you know, as little middle schoolers, I was teaching eighth grade. Then they all thought I was going on American Idol or like the voice or something. And they were like, we will vote for you. And I was like, that's not what I'm doing. But I sang for them in the classroom all the time. So, but they did ask me every year for six years. They were like, so are you coming back? And I'm like, oh. Finally, after six years, I was like, I think I'm an official musician now. Like, yeah, sorry. And, and, and it's funny, probably those job offers change from English teacher now the music teacher. Maybe. To music want, teacher, yeah. right? Yeah. Are you sure you don't want to come back? So, wife to Drew, Drew Holcomb, your best friend now, well, slash yes. Hunter, slash husband, all of that. Uh, Drew Holcomb and the neighbors and. Anybody in this area knows that from the Moon River Festival that's found its home here in Chattanooga. So does that make you like the Chattanooga Moon River First Lady or something? Is that right? I hope so. I would. I will gladly fill in that role. I am crazy about Chattanooga. And I really, we, that, we started that in Memphis, Tennessee, where Drew's from. And when we moved it to Chattanooga, y'all welcomed us. The with wide open arms, it has been such a delight. And I think one of my favorite things about the festival, well, I don't know, I guess if you're going to throw a music festival, it might as well be your favorite one. Like, (laughs) so, but there is, I think one of my favorite things is, is not besides the music and the experience that we provide is in introducing people to the gem i think chattanooga is like the hidden gem of tennessee i I don't know it's i feel like nashville memphis get a lot of press and i but chattanooga is one of my very favorite places what's one of the favorite things because being here i know you've been around for a little bit what's what's some of your favorite look out mountain uh what is it's at the top of the incline railway you go to that park that's just to the right point park 
Point Park. Point Park. That view, I, I think it's like one of the best views that you can get without really hiking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> I'm like, you don't have to work at all. And it's this like gorgeous view. But that, the river that runs over, that runs around Coolidge Park, Coolidge Park is amazing. I'm a big tree climber personally. Um, and so we, my kids and I always climb up in those magnolia trees and look down over the festival and listen to the music. And, and we can see the river on one side and the music on the other, the walking bridge. I don't know. I can, can you pick one thing about Chattanooga? It's tough. It's tough. It's incredible. The hiking is amazing around there. The water, there's some really great water holes that you can go swimming in. I mean, I just love it. I think it's so beautiful. You mentioned in a duck blind or a hunting blind with with Drew. So I'm picturing the Duck Dynasty episode where the wives wanted to go along with, but they were more into talking and all that kind of stuff. And what do we do now? And the guys are getting irritated with them. Are you a diehard hunter or are you more along, you know? It is, you know, I'm from, my dad's family's from Texas, and so, and my grandmother grew up on this ranch. It's not fancy at all. It's a two-bedroom place where just a bunch of beds are in each bedroom, and there's like a half shower, you know, so <laughs> all bathroom for like 30 of us. So it is like not fancy at all, but it's sort of a rite of passage um, in our family to, and if you shoot it, you gut it, and I can't do it anymore. I, I just shoot with a camera. <laughs> now but we always eat what we should you know so i'm not like a, i would not call myself a diehard hunter but i do love i love being out in nature i've always i've always loved being outside and so it's a you go early in the morning and and you get to watch the sun come up and get to watch deer some of them get shot it's really sad i'm sorry if you're an animal rights <laughs> again we're in the south so you know there's very few very few and there is that's true that's a good point but drew grew up hunting with his grandfather so it's just sort of been a family yeah. uh, deal and i do i will say i do love venison it's delicious oh venison yeah what's sausage. your favorite way to eat it venison sausage or okay. there's a really good like breaded venison cutlet th- recipe that my grandmother has taught us with like a lemon, a white lemon sauce. It's so good. Wow. Really, really, really good gravy. But, but it is, uh, the venison sausage is my favorite cause it's lean. It's got yeah. tons of flavor. It's not yeah. too gamey cause it has all those other kind of like spices mixed in, yeah. but it's like, uh, it's like a, it's a really lean meat. It's not too greasy, which I love. Three kids. What's life like with three kids being a traveling musician? Of course, you didn't travel much last year, but now that it's kind of opening back up and thawing out, uh, what's that yeah. like? It is not boring. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really not. We we have so much fun, and they're all really good. I mean, when we are traveling, it's so funny. They they love going on the road with us, and so and they were all on the road. I think at at two or three weeks, every single one of them, we were just like, here's what we do. Welcome to the family. Like yeah. you're going to our seat or on the plane or in the bus. Um, and so they're all really great little travelers. And it's so funny about, about three months, two months into quarantine where we were safer at home, you know, here in Tennessee, they were like, uh, so are you guys like gonna go anywhere? Like, <laughs> We're, we're ready. They love their nanny too. Uh-huh. And so they're like, we kind of want to like hang out with her a little bit more. So, and then they were like, and do we get to go on the bus again? So we actually did do 
a really cool partnership with the state of Tennessee tourism department and went in an airstream all over, all over the state and uh, wrote songs around the campfire. They sent a big camera crew and filmed the whole thing really to say that it was, there's a way to travel and experience our state, which is so beautiful in a safe way, even in the midst of COVID and it's pretty cheap. Yeah. Like camping grounds. There's tons of state parks that are like, incredible and so that was they loved that i bet they did so english major and now a musician and a mother of three it's no wonder that you've had to write children's books tell me about that experience what's that like (laughs) yeah you know what i started i started that whole process it was a question that my daughter asked uh, one day in the kitchen she was like hey mom you know kids ask so many questions one day in the kitchen she goes hey mom um you know who sang the first song and I did sometimes what you do when you're a parent and you don't exactly have the answer to that you're like going uh that is a great question I just turned it back around on her and I'm like that's a great question babe who do you think sang the first song and she shrugged her little shoulders she goes mm-hmm. Dolly Parton <laughs> Uh, I'm like, well, we're doing something right. Maybe. Like we're we're raising you right. That's a good. That's a great yes. But I just I ended up going to do some research. I was like, I'll be right back. Mommy's gonna write you a, a quick children's book to answer your question. And so the first uh, book that I wrote is who sang the first song. And I think I think my hope is I'm always singing around the house with them. I mean, we sing everything, even if it's just like while I'm cooking the eggs and setting the table. But what a beautiful thing to be singing like the truth of God's love for them and for that to be the songs, the kind of songs that get stuck in your head. Yeah. It was amazing. And so when I was writing the songs for that, I would go write and then come back and just sing it or play the demo for them once. And if they were not singing the song later that night or later that week, I would just think I need to do better. Because what I want to get stuck in their heads is God's word and how crazy he is about them. That's what I want them to be singing in their little hearts. And so it's been so fun to write books and songs that help, you know, little kids, younger, younger little hearts and the the big people in their lives uh, remember, you know, who they are and whose they are and what they were made for. And um, that's been a good reminder for me to write as I write big truths for little hearts to carry around, kind of distilled into these songs to remember that even though I'm a mom with three kids, that even though I'm, um, I've got jobs and responsibilities, really, first and foremost, as adults, we are we're kids, we're sons and daughters of of the one who made us. And, and so that has been a really beautiful thing. I think sometimes as adults, we tend to overcomplicate things and, or I do at least. And so it's been a really beautiful thing to kind of sit, sit in some of those simple truths and, and to sing those over my kids slash over my own (laughs) weary and forgetful heart. (laughs) Well, if you ever get to that point, you get dry and you're looking for a character, just remember that that Christian DJ in Chattanooga, I don't know, story time with Uncle Ted or something like that might work. (laughs) Story time, Uncle Ted. I love it. That'll work. All right. So, all right, I'm going to go on a limb here and this is going to, this could get me in trouble. Do you know what my number one favorite song that I'm hearing on J103, our radio station is right now? Oh no. What is it? I don't want to miss it. I'm I'm not kidding. I'm not saying just because you wrote it and you're here, but just the sound of it, it's so different. It's it, it it's 
it's just a great, great song. With that in mind, it's from your new album, Canyon. What's your current FOMO? Is there anything that you want to conquer before you leave your 30s behind in September? Oh, I love that question so much. You know, I I think last year did a lot of things for us as uh, like like globally as a nation. And, And a lot of it was hard. It was I think there was like a collective sorrow and grief. And what's so funny is I I wrote that song. Um, after experiencing such a hard year, I mean, we had the EF4 tornado come through our neighborhood. Then a week later, uh, safer at home, COVID, at political tension, uh, racial tension. I, there was so much collective sorrow and loss. And what I encountered, even in the midst of that sorrow and loss, I'm a seven on the Enneagram. I hate pain. I hate grieving. But are you too, Ted? I'm are a three, seven? five, and a seven. That's what I okay, am. Okay, come yeah. on. So you know, I, I just, I'm not, I tend to skip over the hard parts of my own story, of this, like the collective story in our country globe. And so part of me writing that song was, was what happened when I actually last year was kind of forced to grieve, forced to lament, uh, some of the racism in our country. I mean, there's so much, there's so much that we lost last year and that I was kind of encountering the deepest wounds in my own story. What happened as I did that, as I just simply breathed in those places, sometimes weeped, um, was I encountered the nearness and the tenderness and the empathy yeah. of God himself, who yeah. is a man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief. Yeah. And and I feel braver and freer and more healed than I have ever felt in my whole life. I think because I allow myself to grieve. And so part of what I was saying I don't want to miss is I don't want to miss the goodness of God in the pit of the sorrow either, because it's there. Yeah. And as it turns out, water always goes to the lowest place and and that is very much what that record the whole record is about i went to the grand canyon in the midst of in the midst of that of really covid when the numbers were lower in the summer and i was in the we camped on the northern rim we went to the base of the canyon rafted on the colorado river spent the night on the banks and then rafted out and i just thought i don't think i've seen a picture that feels more like most of our hearts in this crazy chaotic season like and they were saying you know the walls of the canyon are like a layer after layer disaster after disaster volcano earthquake flood drought landslide mudslide and i'm like that is what we are in a collective season of wound after weary wound loss after loss and there in the deepest part of that pit of the king and a river was running through and i just thought oh my gosh this is the gospel like there is a current of god's love that that moves to our lowest place, our deepest place of pain and sorrow. And I don't want to miss that there. I don't want to miss the way that that takes us to the ocean, the way that takes us to knowing that we belong even when we are broken and that we belong to each other ultimately. And so, um, so there's a part of me that doesn't want to skip over grief and sorrow anymore, which is new for me. Uh, but because I know that there's a love that runs deeper than any sorrow that we have. I don't necessarily want to like intentionally go there. I just don't want to avoid it anymore. And then I also don't want to miss the beauty of parenting in this crazy chaotic season. I don't want to miss that. And then I will say 
we are going to we are going to try to summit Teton this summer. Wow. Every so so I don't want to miss any adventure either. I like I'm like here for all of it. But it's but I think to be human Ted, and you you know this, I mean, especially after last year, to be human is to be broken. And so there's this both and like it's there's so much beauty here, but there's also so much brokenness. And in the midst of the beauty and the brokenness, there is this like sense that love can surround us in both places. And so I'm like, I am here for all of it. And I feel more alive and freed up than I ever have in my entire life. So, uh, so the adventure of being broken and being empathetic to myself and to others when they're in that brokenness and the yeah. adventure of like sucking the marrow out of life. I'm like, I mean, I'm, let's do it all. <laughs> don't want to miss it. It's like you wouldn't want to miss that uh, tuna poke bowl that supposedly changed your life that I saw on <laughs> Facebook. So we've been talking with Ellie Holcomb. Ellie, God bless you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us here on the Hope Talk podcast. And uh, we can't wait to see you here at the Moon River Festival, if not before then. Hope Talk, a PCM podcast.